All right, so I just had Sri Alaka on the show. Wow. If you are into real estate investing, looking to venture into multifamily investing, this is, this is a must listen. Um, Sri has had a lot of things, um, a lot of hurdles that she overcome to really just find her success, but it started with her setting up the vision of where her and her family wanted to go to and then not taking a, what is showing on face value as reality. We talk about um, finding more square footage to, to, to grow bedrooms and to add bedrooms to units. We talk about conversions, a, a hotel to a multifamily conversion, um, and investing with, with rent control in multifamily in, in California. I mean, we cover so many topics and just a little bit more about uh, Shri. She's an investor in, in San Francisco Bay Area. She's been investing in multifamily since 2014. Uh, her husband was diagnosed in 2011 with an autoimmune disease um, and was told he was going to be disabled in five years. And luckily within that five years, he's recovered to 99%, which is, which is magical. But you can just think about that conversation and why that created the urge for them to, to want to find certainty in their cash flow and in their life. Um, so her husband and, and they, they, beat expectation over the next few years, recovered. And over the last six years, they've taken on 50 plus unit multifamilies from negative cash flow to high positive cash flow um, using really just the Burr method, um, buying a property, um, selling it and using the, the amount of income and, and just the, the value that they grew into it to take that profit and roll it into bigger projects. And now they're doing these um, really just awesome strategy of, of hotel conversions in the multifamily. So you're going to enjoy this. Definitely go and check it out. Of course, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, show us that support here. We love bringing this value. Enjoy the show. So welcome back. Hi, Shri. How are you? I'm good, Jason. Good to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show. You're in San Francisco doing this podcast early because you have kids and we had that connection. So, so I'm excited to talk to you more um, just because it's, it's, always, it's always fun to see when you're able to do this on such a high level and you have so many different components going on in your life. You know? So Peely does the same thing. She's, she's helpful. And with uh, COVID and being home, you know, we had to really, really hone in our roles because when you have you have the moments, you, you have to put those moments to work, right? So it almost makes you have to be more efficient because you know that, that your time, any, any moment, someone might be running in with a, you know, a, um, a bumblebee or something, so, you know, <laughs> screaming, screaming at the top of the lungs. So what, what, what has been some of the most efficient things with you? Because you, you've had, you had your husband diagnosed with an autoimmune disease back in 2011, right? So right. You, you chose to take that step here from going from the Burr method into, into multifamily investment in, in 2014. And now this next step, right? Um, it's almost like bring it on at this point, right? So, so you're ready to go. Um, yeah. How have you evolved and how, how have you set yourself up with where you currently are investing in multifamily? Yeah. So, sorry, did you say how did you get set up to this point? Yeah, I, yeah, so at this stage where you're working in multifamily, what would have been some of the key factors for you mm -hmm. finding so much success? Yeah, so I think it, it's, it all stems from why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, I really think that if you are clear on why you're pursuing this path, it's much easier to make changes. It's much easier to go, go where the market's going and make decisions, take chances, all of that stuff. I, I think that helped us uh, hone in on exactly what our strategies were when we started. Because when we, I mean, for 
it to, for your listeners, I mean, my, my backstory is my husband did get sick and we wanted some stability. That was our motivation back then is we wanted to get rid of all this uncertainty and know for sure we had a certain amount of money coming in. He did get better in a year and a half and he's been operating at like 99% ever since. So uh, that helped us uh, supercharge this even more to fast track kind of our financial freedom. That was our, always been our goal. And then of course, the first few years we had the benefit of not having you know, a family. So we had just the two of us, we had time, we had, you know, we had double incomes, we had all that good stuff going for us. So we kind of supercharged it upfront. And by the time my kids were born, uh, my first kid was, you know, me and a jewel. The second one was born, then we were like, okay, someone needs to get rid of that corporate job because that kept us tied to that nine to five. And we had built up uh, the portfolio to a point where I, you know, I was more than replacing my income. And so I quit um, and I, you know, started doing real estate full time until 2018. So when you so, say uncertainty back there, it's a good, it's a good narrative for listeners besides of course just the the diagnosis right what was it about your job setting at the time that that didn't give you that feeling of certainty well uh we we always knew i mean my husband had uh, he ran his own company so that was a that made a big difference uh to the uncertainty piece right when you run your own business it, everything is in your uh it's in your control but it's also a whole lot of uncertainty around how long of a runway do you really have and you're an employee, you don't really think of it that way. You only, you're worried only about being fired. Uh, here, the, the, the uncertainty is kind of day to day. The business model is uncertain. Everything's uncertain, right? So I, at that point, had just, you know, had, I had started working. So I was the kind of the pillar. And my husband was kind of doing the experiments. Yeah, <laughs> and sure. we, we recognized that if he got sick, I mean, I could still keep working. But we really needed that. Uh, passive income stream and we wanted that certainty to know maybe you know you know businesses can you know do well or not do well so what if we found ourselves 10 years from now with all the struggle with not much saving and uh, in a bad position so I did not want that I said that's not okay with me if that means we need to do something on the side to ensure we are more secure five ten years down the line then I'm going to do that and us both, I mean, we're both, when we both come together, we're really good because I'm kind of the research, the analytical idea person. My husband's really good at execution. Uh, and, I mean, execution we both do, but he's really good at kind of really uh, hitting the nail on the head with execution. Um, so that came together over the next few years as we built up the portfolio. And uh, we also sold. So this is something I really want uh, to communicate to your listeners, which is, you really in the early stages of building your multifamily portfolio, especially if you're doing it for yourself or your family as an investor, when you sell and trade up to larger number of units is when you really get that uh, economies, economies of scale, that exponential growth. Because uh, with the burr, you put in, you know, one, one X your down payment, you maybe make two X and, uh, and you take one X out, you put that one X in, you get another one X out. It takes you, it's a linear growth. Whereas if you flip apartments in a year and a half or so, then you put in one X, you get two X, two X becomes four X, four X becomes eight X really faster. So you, in half the number of deals, you get where you can get to. Um, it's, you are taking a little bit more of a chance and we were able to do that because we had jobs and we, we knew we wanted to fast track as opposed to take out cash flow at this point. 
Yeah, it's amazing. We actually um, just, one of the things that is always can is you, you have to be surveying where you are with your properties. Cause when you start with the property, you say you have, you know, a trajectory of a seven year hold, right? You may look at that and say, okay, I'm going to hold it for seven years. But if you're not looking at, you know, year one, year two, like what's the market doing? Like, how's my asset performing to look at your opportunity going out? So we, we actually exited our 94 unit back in January, um, two and a half years into a seven year hold, just because so many changes had happened that, that weren't there when we first brought the property and path of progress mm -hmm. and just some of the, um, the comps for sales that we weren't expecting. And it just gave us that carryover. But your message here, this that knowing what you want, what, what I find is really, really paramount, really important for people is that you, you can spend your life really just escaping what you don't think you want, or you can really be searching for your destiny, right? And you, and if you don't have why or where you're focusing on, well, then you're going to be stuck escaping instead of spending the time searching. So you, you guys said, put all that energy into saying, okay, here's what we are and, and here's where we want to get to. And now we're going to search for that next step and became multifamily and your ability to scale up. And wh where do you, where do you invest? Like wh what type of properties did you first start out? Cause you're in California. Where, where was your focus and where have you moved to now? Yeah. So my first deal was in Dallas in Texas. Um, cause I bought into the narrative that you really can't make cash flow or money in California. So uh, that was my first deal out of state. I basically rehabbed all, it was 12 units, not a big deal necessarily, but 12 units. I rehabbed all the units in about a year whenever the leases turned and put it back on the market in a year and a half. Uh, it, and, and, and I doubled my money essentially and brought that money back to California. And California is a little bit of a different beast yeah, <laughs> because sure. uh, you know, price per units are really high. Uh, there's rent control. There's all these restrictions around what you can and cannot do. Uh, so we definitely had to modify our strategy to fit with what California would, uh, you know, would work in California. And three mm -hmm. main things I did were layout changes. So I would buy studios and make them one bedrooms. One bedrooms make them two bedrooms. Uh, because in the past, I mean, you've seen older apartments, they have detached kitchens. Um, yeah. So the kitchen would be like 200 square foot. Uh, but nobody needs that anymore. So we just put the kitchen as an open floor plan kitchen. So just like the little uh, against the wall and a little island and uh, in the living room. And then we would take the square footage of the kitchen, take a little bit from the living space and then make a tiny bedroom. So it was really- Yeah, I love like, that. So the, you, the, the one thing I want to point out is so many people give you the reasons you can't do it, but again, you're searching for the reason to do it, right? So you said, okay, I'm going to invest in California. So- people are winning in this market. So how can I win this market? And you, you look for a layout and you say, okay, I, I can capture on just a, you know, a defunct layout that was built 50 years ago and, and now turn it into what fits the, the economic situation today. Correct. Yeah. And density is the biggest you know, issue here today is that people mm. want affordable, but they want that. So they still want that one bedroom. So they don't mind if it's like a 450 square foot, a 500 square foot, one bedroom, but it's still a one bedroom. So the yeah. moment we were able to vet that strategy and you know get that rolling, we just basically did that. Started to look for properties that would fit that criteria. Um, the second thing we did was cash for keys. So the only way um, uh, in in a rent controlled market uh, to turn the units is uh, to do what just kept called cash for keys. Which is essentially, you come to an agreement with your tenant uh, to to uh, of a pre you know agreed upon sum of money for them to vacate the unit. And uh, we found lenders, like hard money lenders, private money lenders, who would finance that cost as well. Because the cost of tenant buyouts is pretty high, like $15,000, $30,000 uh, in California. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the market. So talk us through the narrative, right? Because people might say, 
you're going to give a tenant $30,000 to move out, but that tenant may be paying, you know, $400. So I, I live in New York city for a while. So I've seen like the person who was paying $400 and, and, you know, a property that would rent, you know, for, for 3,500 now. And they're like, right. and they, they just been there for years. Right. So you get the money from the hard lender, right. Or a hard money lender, 15,000, right. you give it to the tenant. Um, right. What is the process? Like show the, the full cycle of it. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the first part of it is to buy a property that's renting under market. Right. So the, like you said, the rents are severely under market because these markets are historically rent controlled. So last 50, 60 years, they've been rent controlled. And so the, the, you know, the, the rents they're paying are 400, 500, you know, something like that. And market rents are 2,500 to 3,000. So they're severely under market. So that's the first step is to buy a property that fits that criteria. The second step is you either during the, while you're in contract, start the conversation. Right. So, you know, how many people are likely to move out during contract. Um, and if that number hits your target, then you move forward or uh, otherwise mm -hmm. you back yeah. out yeah. Um, and you find a seller who's OK with you doing that. Because it's actually a win win if you figure out that half, you know, like the tenants are ready to move out. It's a win win yeah. even for the seller. So regardless, so you, you figure out how many people are likely to move out if that fits your business model. And you, there's a certain step-by-step -step process you need to follow with the city because these are cities that really care uh, about how you go about doing it. So you need to file certain paperwork, all of that good stuff, start the conversation. If you agree upon a number uh, between you and the tenant, I think there should be one degree of separation, meaning you, your property manager has that conversation, not you. And sure. um, you come to a, a number that you agree upon, sign a contract that as of X date, they're going to move out and hand you over the keys for this amount of money. You show up, you know, hand them over the cashier's check. They give you, they give you the keys to the, the property. You then uh, file that, you know, copies of that paperwork with your hard money lender and your hard money lender, kind of like a construction draw. They send an inspector to make sure the unit is vacant. And once it's vacant, mm -hmm. they release that money to you. Interesting. How cool. There you go. Right. And, and, and the opposite side here is now you can pull this in, renovate it to today's standard, get that $2,500 and depending at, you know, your Correct. three or 4% cap rate, wherever, yeah, wherever you are the in San Francisco these days. Right? Yeah. yeah that's the, the math. And so for every dollar you add, it's, it's like $20 on the, on the sale price. So wow. yeah. So that's almost like a $200,000 bump on average. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. And see that that's the part there where if you're listening here, it, there are scenarios, right? So you find a way, you know, you spend 15 K you get back or 30 K you get back 200 K. Right. So, so looking at right. that advantage, that's awesome. And you so you, have you transitioned fully into investing in your market now, or are you still investing out of state too? Uh, no, I, I am. So as of last year, um, they passed statewide rent control. Um, so now the whole state, not just pockets is, is rent controlled. So last year we actually sold half our portfolio. Um, we're keeping half almost like a test. Because, um, you know, no, no one really knows the answer to whether, you know, it's worth holding in California or not. So we, I, yeah. you know, we came to the agreement, we'll sell half, we'll keep half. And so we sold half and we're actively looking to invest that, uh, the, the, the cash or the capital out of state uh, right now, which is where the hotel to multifamily conversion comes in. Gotcha. So where, where's the hotel? The hotel that we're in contract on is in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's in right in the heart of the city. Yeah. What, what was it? Um, was that one of your core markets, or do you focus on many markets, or is it just a few select markets you, you dive into? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So actually, we uh, we actually had a deal come through. So I've been researching this for like six months 
pre-COVID just on accident because I thought it was a, you know, potentially a good idea. Um, but I was researching land use and zoning and how that, how do that, how that works. Cause I know people have converted properties from one to the other. Um, and I met a lady here actually in California who does, uh, takes a piece of land and rezones it for a hotel construction. So it's, it's a slightly different model, but I got a chance to meet with her and talk with her to understand this entitlement process, right? And, and how to take a piece of land to do something else. And once I understood that, I, I, my wheels got churning and I thought, how can I do that for multifamily? Where does it make sense and how do I mitigate the risk? Because it's risky to take a piece of land and convert it to something else. Sure. So I said, well, how can I mitigate that risk? And then I found out something called uh, a, you know, build by right or zoning by right, meaning certain pieces of land by right allow multiple land uses. So I can find a piece of land that allows you to run a property as a hotel, as well as a multifamily. Um, and once I, you know, once I hit that, I was like, okay, that's my jackpot. That's where I'm going to go. So I then went to CoStar, pulled a list of all hotels in that area, matched it up with the zoning, and then uh, narrowed it down to the zoning that I wanted it to be, gave that list to a hotel broker, and I said, go call all these people. <laughs> gotcha. So you actually, that, that's, that's really interesting. So um, zoning by right, which is super cool. So you weren't looking for barren land. You were actually looking for a convertible hotel. And then so you'd go there, have CoStar, basically do the, do the, the homework for find me all the hotels that are potentially in this zoning pattern. And then you went to a hotel broker and that step and you literally just said, start, start knocking on doors and see what it was. What, right. what was it that, um, cause many times you hear the narrative. So, you know, um, my wife's from Hawaii, right? So someone was talking to us about a hotel and, um, but you would never convert it to multifamily because the numbers work so much better as a hotel, um, pre COVID, right? So now who yes. knows what that hotel will be. Right. Um, but that said, what, what, what was the, the metrics for what you were looking at from um, a, a opportunity standpoint? Yeah, so um, this only works in hotels that are a little bit older and like built in the 70s, 60s, that are not operating at capacity. Um, they're in markets where a lot of new hotels have come and taken away their market share, essentially. So they're mm. not running at capacity, they're really not doing so well. And uh, combined with COVID, they are ready to sell. So they've, it's, yeah. it's been a, uh, you know, a series of problems for them that have brought them to the point where they're ready to sell. Those markets also have housing shortages. So their rents have gone up significantly over the last few years. Um, and uh, that kind of perfect storm is what makes for uh, a good deal. Also, um, multifamily cap rates are lower than, than, than hotel cap rates. So if, if you can get the price low enough and you buy low enough and you do the renovations and then you're selling at a lower cap rate, that's a good thing, right? You want yeah. to sell at a lower cap rate. Sure. Uh, that gets you a higher price. So I buy it, let's say $20,000 a door, put in about 15,000 and sell at $65,000 a door. So is the, the intent for this, this is not a hold, this is basically a, um, a flip in, in terms is how you're treating it or what's the, the business? Not plan? really. It actually does cash flow really well as well. So for us, we, we one of the reasons why we you know uh, sold half our portfolio in California was we were seeking that cash flow. So yeah. we are intending to keep this one for cash flow, honestly, but it has both. It has the cash flow um, mm. uh, today, meaning once it's stabilized and it has that upside when I choose to sell. 
So it has both um, uh, in it, built into it. So <clears throat> like I said, it doesn't work. Your, uh, your studio method here of converting a lot of these to one bedrooms here, or is that, that be? Um, no, we're not converting them one bedroom because uh, hotels are already pretty small. The room yeah. sizes are about like 375 square foot. So it really is hard to eke out a one bedroom in there, but we're trying to get as much as uh, we can out of that studio. <laughs> so we're trying to do washer dryer in there, uh, you know, like a, a full kitchen instead of like a, you know, kitchenette, a full bath, all of that good stuff. So we're trying to do as much as we can with the space. Yeah. And so these are all, I would assume that they're all outside entry units Would that, is that how Correct. it works? Yeah, yeah, interesting. So outside entry, yeah, kind of garden model. style. Those are also part of our criteria because the, the big tower style does not work. Um, yeah. It just looks too much like a hotel, but the garden style kind of spread out one, two level hotels, those really work. Got it. And um, Albuquerque, that was a market you invested in prior, or this was your, your first opportunity going into it? The first opportunity, yeah. Um, cool. We have not been in that market before, but we've traveled there, we've kind of scoped it out. Um, it wasn't, you know, part of our original plan, but once we had, we saw one deal happen there. So we knew the zoning definitely allows for that in Albuquerque. So we just kind of pursued that. But now I'm, you know, doing my research to find, to find other cities that have similar zoning um, opportunities. That's great. And you see, again, you find a way. That's so cool. So where, where does your direction go for, for your company now? What, what, are we, what are we looking at in the future pushing forward? I mean, you keep... What I think is amazing, and um, although you invest in multifamily, is where, where people can get stuck, is that you're not just stuck in one part and say, this is what I do, and you're, and you're just basically fighting fighting against a rock the whole time. You, you keep transitioning with, with really what happens, right? So, okay, right. come back to California here because I can convert these. Okay, the whole stage rent control, I'm going to sell this off. I'm going to move to another market. I'm going to look at, you know, uh, some things are highly overpriced in the multifamily world right now. So I'm going to look at another sector that's really suffering like hotels and convert them. I mean, what's next? What are we, what are we doing that I'm missing? Oh, uh, I mean, what's next is pretty much just scaling this part of it. Uh, yeah. So we, we are in contract on the first deal. We want to see that through execution. But uh, once we kind of narrow that model in place, then we want to scale that by doing many more of these hotel to multifamily conversions. Because I think uh, there's, some, there's definitely something there and uh, the housing is, is never enough in most cities. Uh, so if you can find the right city that's growing and that fits the bill, then um, uh, multifamily, I honestly feel is safer. And maybe it's because I'm, I'm looking at it from multifamily eyes, because I don't know anything about hotels and running a hotel. So it helps to have that kind of uh, vision for this is what I know will work for multifamily. Maybe you can do 100 other things with it, but this is what I know will work and I just want to scale that. So I'm bringing on some investors on uh, future deals for, for such hotel to multifamily conversions. And yeah, and we uh, personally are also getting closer and closer to our own original goal of, you know, getting financial freedom and living out what we wanted to, to live out. So that's exciting as well. Good. Well, I've learned a ton today. I know the audience has gotten a ton and great what you're doing super to your success. Um, tell others about the um, best way to find you, uh, your program. Uh, where's the best way if they want to learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, so the best way to find me is uh, theshrilathagroup.com. So that's T-H-E-S-R-I-L-A-T-H-A-G-R-O-U-P.com. I'm also on Instagram as Bay Area underscore multifamily. Um, I have a coaching program uh, where, which is about three months long where I teach what I do uh, specific to California. 
Um, so if you're an investor in California feeling disheartened, uh, that's, a, that's a good place to start looking. And of course, the hotel to multifamily conversion that I talked about, we're looking to scale that business and uh, looking for partners there as well. So uh, yeah, happy to be here, Jason, and talk to the next one. Well, thank you so much. I love the message carries always through. It's not where you are, it's where you want to be is that, that, that bridge to get there. So thank you for coming on the show. This has been great. Absolutely. Fun being here. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Join us for your second cup of coffee every Monday through Friday at noon. Live every day brings us our best content we've done so far. Super excited, super engaging, bunch of great guests. We're here to answer your questions and we so appreciate you listening. Make sure to check this out. Can't wait to see you.